not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And as we come today on this Resurrection Sunday, we thank you for Jesus. Because it was his sacrifice of his life that produced life in our lives for those who believe. And so, Lord, I step back now. So the Spirit of God, who is the voice of the Son, that he can speak through me to your people. And I thank you, Father, that our lives would never be the same after having heard the word of truth. And I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following the word today. In Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week I started a new series entitled Glow with the Flow. Look at your neighbor and say glow with the flow. Grow with the flow. And the purpose of the series was to help you understand the direction we're going as a church and some of the changes we're going to need to make as a church so we can do two things. Number one, accommodate the people that God is sending. And number two, prepare those to do work of ministry for the kingdom of God. Can you say amen to that? And this series is going to also help you grow personally in any area I believe in your life where you need it that will help you maximize your full potential. And so last week, uh, one of the principles that I pointed out in order for us to grow with the flow, and the principle was change. In other words, you cannot grow without changing. And so that's one of the things that we're going to start talking about, and that's change. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to two primary verses today because I don't have a lot of time. We're going to go to John 3.16. Pretty much everybody knows that verse. And then we're going to go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. That was John 3, 16. And then 1 John chapter 4, verses 16. Now, John 3, 16 is one of the most famous verses, I believe, that has been used in Christianity today. And I think for the most part, we've heard this verse so many times that I think that we have gotten so familiar with it that we miss the impact that this verse should really have. So here's what I want us to do as a group. Everybody say, as a group. Okay, so I'm only going to ask for your participation, all right? I want everybody, we're going to read this verse together, okay? Are you ready? Is it on the screen behind me? Okay, are y'all ready? Let's read it together. For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved you and I, listen, to the point that he assigned Jesus to die for us. See, most people don't realize 
Jesus dying for us was an assignment that God had on his life. And so God loved us so much that he assigned Jesus to die for us. And then here's the other part of that equation. Jesus loved the Father so much that Jesus obeyed the Father by dying for us as well. So it took two things to happen. It took God sending his only son, say only son. I mean, I have a hard time giving up my last bite of candy. God sent his only son and then Jesus loved his father so much that he died for us. And when I meet people, there's a test that you have that uh, we're going to go over in just a minute. But when I meet people for the first time in my office in some type of advising session, I do a test on them. And this test really is, is for two things. Number one, this test is going to help them see where they are spiritually in terms of their commitment to Jesus Christ. And then this test also helps me see where they are spiritually. And uh, it helps me understand where, where they are so I can help them. And more times than not, everybody. I say more times than not. More times than not, after a person takes this test, nine times out of ten, they never, they didn't know that they weren't at the fully committed level. Or let me say it this, this way, they didn't know that they weren't fully trusting in the Lord. And here's why most people don't fully trust in God. It's because of fear. Everybody say fear. Fear. And what I've discovered is that uh, we'll never understand or experience God's fullness for our lives if we're walking in fear. And most people don't know that they're walking in fear. Now, let's go back to that. Let's go to the second verse. Let's go to 1 John 4. Let's go to 1 John 4. Because I want to point out to you the power that fear has. I'm going to help you to see if you are walking in it. And then I'm going to show you how to get rid of it. And here's why I'm doing that. Because you cannot fully commit your life to Jesus Christ if you have fear about what may take place in your life. Uh, because, and I'll point out what type of fears that they are out there. But let's look now in First John chapter 4. I'm starting in verse 16. It says in the King James Version, And we have known and believed. Everybody say known and believe. Now let me point out something real quick. You can know something and not believe it. Okay? You can know something and not believe it. You can know that... Uh, there's a big ditch in the road up front. Somebody can tell you and you not believing it, just drive right in it because you knew it, but you didn't believe it. And so here he's saying we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is what class? He is love. He's not, he don't just love. He is love. And watch this. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. And then verse 17, the first word is herein. Herein what? In other words, he's saying, listen, if a person dwells in God and God dwells in them, then they dwell in love. And herein is how your, your love is made perfect, which says this to me. That there's a, there's, you can love and your love not be made perfect. You can love and your love not be made perfect. And there are lots of people, Christians I'm talking about now, who love God, but their life is not fully committed to Him because their love for Him is not yet made perfect. And here is why, let's keep reading. He says, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Verse 18, there is no what? 
No fear in love. So watch this now. The only reason love is not made perfect in my life towards God. And listen, if you don't have perfect love towards God, it is going to be difficult to have love or perfect love towards people. So he's saying that where there is fear, there is no fear in love, but perfect love. Say perfect love. Perfect love casts out what? Perfect love cast out fear because fear has what? Torment. He that feareth, watch this now, is not made perfect in love. Now let me explain how fear works, all right? Fear can only work when you believe a lie. Everybody say fear works when you believe a lie. And this is why some people never get saved because some people have not made Jesus their Lord because they have believed the lie that, you know what, God cannot love me for everything I've done. He can't love me. That's a lie. Everybody say, that's a lie. They may believe that, you know what, I know God has a standard that he wants me to live by and I'm not going to be able to live up to that standard. So you know what, I'm not even going to try. But see, what they don't understand is salvation has nothing to do with works. I know you may have been taught that growing up. But listen, your salvation has nothing to do with what you do. All you have to do is believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever... Believe in him should not perish. It didn't say whosoever go to church and read your Bible and pray and, and you should do those things. But listen, they're not conditional based on your salvation. And so some people feel like, well, you know, I'm not ready to do those things. So I'm not going to get saved. Everybody say that's a lie. That's a lie. Amen. By grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. The Bible says it is the gift of God. Not by works, lest any man should boast. So fears work when we believe a lie. And so there are two categories of fear. Here's number one. I want you to write it down. And that is calculated fear. Calculated fear. And this is when you and I determine or this is a fear that is pretty much has a, a predictable outcome to an event or experience. In other words, uh, predictable fear is you got to take a test. Well, I can pretty much determine the consequences. I'm either going to pass or fail. Okay, so that's predictable. Everybody say predictable. I interview for this job, this predictable. I'm either going to get it or I'm not going to get it. So there's predictable fear. Everybody say predictable fear. Okay, but this is not the one that most people walk in. The second level of fear is fear of the unknown. Now, this is when you and I can't calculate the end result of something that may happen. And so listen, what happens to people when it comes to fully submitting their life to God? Because now in their minds... Listen, God represents the fear of the unknown. I'm not sure if I'm ready to give this God that seems like, you know, he's this mysterious God. I'm not sure if I'm ready to give him, watch this, 100% of my life. But here's the problem. God, is when you put God in the fear of the unknown category, you've actually put him in the wrong category. So now you have fear of God because in your mind, there's this unknown part about him. But see, no, God is a predictable God. You say, well, why, Pastor Evan? Because God already has subscribed in his word what his reactions are going to be. In fact, I 
can truly trust God 100% because I already know the outcome of my life. He says, guess what? Even if bad things have happened to me, he says, I'll work that together for your good. Even if I have shortage in my hand, if I'm a giver, he says, I'm going to open the windows of heaven and I'm going to pour you out a blessing. In other words, God is, look at your neighbor and say, God is a predictable God. He is a predictable God. So let me just list some lies that people have that are common fears. And this is why I believe a lot of believers don't commit 100% their lives to the Lord. And this is why some believers don't. Number one is some of us don't trust God fully because we're not sure if this is going to work out. I don't know what my life is going to look like. Here's number two. Some people are fearful to follow his plan and listen and commit their desires to him for, let's say, getting married. Because I'm not sure, you know, if God's going to bring the right person to me. And this is why people date outside of God's guidelines because they're not sure if they date according to his guidelines, if it's going to work out. Everybody say that's a fear. That's a fear. Some people are fearful of giving him 100% of themselves. Some people have fear, watch this, of giving him properly their finances because they have a fear they're not going to have enough if they trust him with, it, with, it, with their money. Some people have a fear of negative choices that their children might make, and so they control their kids as much as possible. How many know if you have fear in any way, your love towards God and that person is not made perfect? Here's another fear real quick. Here's another fear. Fear that my mate might cheat on me. So what you do is you try to know everything about everything. You got trackers on their phone, trackers on their car. You done called cheaters, the show that's here in Dallas that films. You got a private investigator lined up. Amen. Some of you all are fearful that you won't be able to finish school or pass an entrance exam, so you never try. All of these are fears. You may be fear of branching out to get a new job or change industry, but you're so fearful, so you just stay in a job you hate for your whole life. All of these fears are only because your love for God has not been made perfect. So in 1 John, he says there is no fear in love. Watch this now. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. Now, let me explain something about fear. Although it comes across as a feeling, because most of the time it does, it comes across as a feeling or an emotion, but it's not. It's a spirit. Now, let's go to, you don't have to turn there, but 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Watch what it says. For God has not given us the spirit of what? Fear. The what? The spirit of what? The spirit of what? Everybody say fear is a spirit. See, I know it feels like fear is an emotion or feel is a feeling. But fear is a spirit. And he says here that God has not given us the spirit of fear. So watch this now. You can write this down as a process. My love level controls my fear level. He says, perfect love casts out fear. So if my love level is right, then my fear level will not exist or be low. In other words, my fear level controls my, my, my love level controls my fear level. And watch this. And my fear level, watch this, determines my trust level. 
This is why a lot of people can't trust because they have too much fear going on in their life. Fear of people leaving them. Fear of somebody cheating on them. Fear of, 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 listen, some people, the reason people try to commit suicide is not because they don't want to live. They have a fear that living, they won't have a successful life. See, fear is behind suicide. People don't know that. So listen, most of us don't realize that, listen, our trust level is controlled by that fear level. So here's the thing. You can trust, you can love and, and not trust at the same time. You can love. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody's got an Uncle Willie in their family. Okay. Uh, and Uncle Willie, is not, he's not completely sober. So... I can love Uncle Willie, but I don't have to trust him to drive my car. Right? Okay, so this is why people cannot fully commit their life to God. Fully commit their life to Jesus Christ. Because their trust is breached by fear. So you say, well, Pastor Evan, how in the world do I get rid of fear? Well, first of all, you got to realize that fear, if you have it, it's disguised as something comfortable, a pillow. It's more comfortable to just stay in the job you're on because fear of the unknown says, I'm not sure how well I'm going to do, so I'm just going to stay right here. This is why you can't leave Tyrone or Kiki, whichever one. You can't leave them. As bad as they are to you, they bring the worst out of you. But you can't leave them because they're comfortable. I'm used to them beating me. At least they say they love me. I love Tyrone. But see, you've disguised that fear with a lie. When really this is what it is on the other side right here. Fear right here. Right here, right? So what did it say? Perfect love does what? What does it do? It casts out fear. So listen, that sounds like I'm in control. So you and I have to make a decision. Everybody say decision. I'm almost done here. We have to make a decision because it is up to me on whether or not I choose to stay in fear or not. He says... Perfect love casts out fear. When you look up that word cast, it means to throw down. It is my choice. It came across as a feeling, but it's really a decision. So it's up to me to throw it down. Then you say, well, Pastor, what if it comes back? You're in control. When the devil comes knocking at your door, faith needs to answer. Well, what's going to happen when you change jobs? Well, it doesn't matter what's going to happen. At the end of the day, it's going to work together for my good. And God is, when I obey him, he says, when I obey and serve him, he's, I'm going to spend my days in prosperity and my years in pleasure. Shut up, devil. In Jesus' name, fear get behind me. And this is the deal. Pull out your commitment card. Pull it out. Because, see, 95% of the people, when I meet with them, nobody's at the fully committed level. So they're going to put this commitment card up at the top on the screen because I'm going to go over this real quick. So here's the rules. There are only two rules. Everybody say two rules. Okay, here's the first rule. Number one is you have to be 
let me say it like Jamaicans say it, honest when you take the test. Okay, I lived in Jamaica for two years and they put the H's on words that don't have H's and they take the word off of H's that do have H's, right? So you need to be honest with yourself. Now, don't put your name on the card because we don't want your name on it. I'm going to have you to turn it in at the end. Don't put your name on there so we won't know who wrote it. Okay, here's the second thing. When you're thinking of the answer to the question that I'm going to ask you, I need you to go back four months of your life, okay? So starting from January of this year, this is where your answer needs to come from because you made a, you might have recommitted your life to Jesus Christ last week and you're going to check fully committed. Well, no, no, no. Let's go back four months. Four months. Now, I know you just put the bottle down last Sunday. I know it. I know it. I know Jack and Daniel were your friends. Last four months, four months. So, y'all got the rules. Y'all have the rules? Okay. So I'm going to start at level five because we have some level five people in here. And then I'm going to work my way up. Here's now the deal. When you hear me describing your level, I need to just put a check mark in the circle to the left of which level it is. And as soon as you write your check mark, you can fold your paper so nobody can see. Okay, because we're not going to, you know, hire any forensic scientists to see who checked the committed box. Everybody say you got to be honest. Okay, so level five is a person who is not saved at all. This is someone who has never been born again. I have met with people, and this is way back in our ministry, where let's say I used to marry, let's say, a family member of a church member, which I don't do that anymore. But anyway, at that time, and while I'm sitting down with them, I'd go over this test and realize they weren't even saved. So at the end of my talk, how many know I led them to Jesus? Okay, so level five is not committed at all. Then you have level four, which is what? Come on, read it together. Not committed at all. And you say, well, pastor, what is that? That's a person, that's a believer who got spiritual fire insurance. They got saved because they realized they was going to hell. I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. So they get saved. And with these, with this not committed at all, what happens is you'll see little or maybe not even no changes in this person's life. This is the person who you wouldn't even know they were a Christian unless they told you. They're closet Christians. Hmm. Here's level three. This is a person who is somewhat committed. Everybody say somewhat committed. This is a 50-50 Christian. 50% of their life is committed to the Lord and then they got this 50% that's slipping and sliding. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, and 50%. So, you know, these are people, they don't come to church all the time. Okay? Hey, but, but, but when things get tough, you, you see them. Because God is like a saloon. You know, the, the little, little things on the, in, a, in a bar back in the western days and they flap coming in. Well, that's how they are. They, when things are bad, they, God, God, help me. And then when things get better, well, I don't need God. And so, you know, these are the people that you saw at the club last night. <laughs> Ooh. So if you saw them, you in the 50-50 with them. 50 50 50 50 50 50 Now listen, listen, listen. 
And here's why I'm going over this. Because when I spiritually advise people, if I don't know where they are, and I don't challenge them to be fully committed, they're going to take 50% of what I say and keep it. And then that, you know what they're going to do with the other 50%? They're going to throw it away. So then we got somewhat committed. Then now the next level is the committed level. And this is where most Christians are. The committed level. 75% of their life is committed to the Lord. And then they got this 25% of struggle. Everybody got struggle in some kind of way. But let me describe this struggle because this struggle that the level two committed believer has is an unsurrendered struggle. Okay, let me give you an example. Uh, let's say, for instance, before that level two person got saved, before they were saved, let's say they used to cuss a thousand words a day. Okay? I probably was in that category, about a thousand before I got saved. So let's say they cussed a thousand words a day. Then they get saved. God starts working on them. And so then they, they at a point where now they only cuss ten times a day, which means that they stop cussing nine hundred times. Come on, that's some progress, ain't it? Come on, give that person a big hand clap. Give me a big hand clap. Praise the Lord Jesus. No, no, no. That person there. 25 is that under and here's the difference because it looks like number one and two are the same here's the difference the level two person because they've changed so much they have stopped cussing 900 times they're okay with the 10 cuss words hey god knows i, I stopped cussing 900 times what's 10 cuss words it's not that much so listen they're not trying to be cuss free They're okay with the ten cussing words. Just an example. Here's level one, fully committed. Everybody say fully committed. This is where 75% of this person's life is committed to the Lord. And then they got this 25% struggle. But this 25% struggle is a surrender struggle. Is a submitted struggle. This is the person that's saying, Lord, I know I'm still cussing. And even though it's not a lot, Lord, I don't want to cuss at all. I want to be cuss free. God, I know I haven't been given like I'm supposed to. But God, I love you and I need you to help me. In other words, the surrender struggle person, they bring that surrender struggle down from, watch this, from 75. They take down their commitment to 80. And when their commitment goes up, guess what happens to the struggle? It goes down. And now you got 80, 20. And then you get 90, 10. And the next thing you know, you're at 100. And it doesn't mean a perfect life. What does it mean? It means a fully submitted life. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll change where you need me to be changed. It's a process, but it's possible. And so I have a question for you that I already know the answer to. If you were sitting with me in my office, I would ask you, So what's keeping you back? Have y'all found your level yet? Check it on the thing. Most of the time, let's say, it's a level two Christian. I said, well, what's keeping you back from being at a level one? And this is the answers that I get sometimes. Well, I'm still drinking real hard, Pastor. Or I'm cussing. Or Pastor, I'm still having sex outside of marriage. Pastor, I'm cheating on my wife or my husband. Uh, you know, it's, it's something, whatever it is. And, and I listened to him and I said, you know what, that's, that's, that's an okay answer, but that's not really the real answer. I said, the real answer of, of why you're not at level one is because you haven't made a decision to be at level one. 
See, let me tell you what it is. See, most people think that you have to work your way up to level one. You don't work your way up. You decide your way up. And here's the thing. Put up Philippians 4, uh, 13 for me. Philippians 4, 13. Let me show you something. See, you don't work your way up. You decide your way up. Because here's how it works. God empowers us once we make decisions. Watch this. Read it with me. I can do through who? In other words, once I decide to do, well, I can't decide to do until I make a decision. So once we make decisions, watch this now, the strength that we need, watch this, to live out that decision will be empowered by us through Christ Jesus, but he waits on us to first make the decision. So I tell people, you're not going to stop doing none of that until you make a decision. And there are some people in the room today, God's ready for you to make that next level decision. Because that next level decision is going to determine Watch this now and impact your journey and your destiny. See, I've lived at level one so long, it's normal. I remember going to the doctor, uh, I don't know, about seven, eight years ago. My chest, when I was breathing, my chest was hurting right over here by my heart. I'm like, and you know, the devil starts just tearing you up. You having a heart attack, you having a heart attack. You're going to die, man. You're going to die. So I went to these urgent care places and they did an EKG. They said, Mr. Connor, you need to go to the hospital right now. Your EKG came out wrong. Well, I'm, I'm assuming it when I came in wrong because it hurts when I breathe. Hello? So I walked out and I said, Lord, I, I, I don't feel, I said, something's not right. The Lord says, Edmund, go to the chiropractor. Go to the chiropractor. Don't go to the hospital. Go to the chiropractor. Went to the chiropractor, told him what was going on. He said, he did some tests. He said, oh, pastor, you have a, a rib. One of your chest ribs is out of place. He popped it in place. It went away. Everybody said, that's level one. See, when you live at level one, there is no fear. Fear might try to come and knock on your door, but you got to answer. Faith's got to answer. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, there are some people in the room. You checked everything but the fully committed level. My question to you is, it's time to make a decision. Why not make it today? The reason why you can't hear the voice of God consistently is because when you're a 50-50 Christian, it's like you're on two radio stations at the same time. You ever been in a car and you, you listen to the radio and you hear two radio stations one of them is just uh, so let's say some Hispanic music and then you hear hey this is our Ted Koppel on the news well you're hearing two stations because you're not on one or the other I believe it's time to make a decision you say well Pastor Evan what if I'm not Ready to live at level one. Is it really about being ready? Or is it really about being willing? I believe the Spirit of God is here right now to help you make a decision. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, here's my question. If you die today, if you're not sure you'd go to heaven, if you are a level five, I'm talking to you today. If you are a level four, three, or two, I'm talking to you today.
It's time to change. It's time to make a decision to live at level one. You say, Pastor, how does that look? Once you make a decision to live at level one, then the strength that you need to live there, Christ will give you. 